We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events, the list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Clint, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. Let the nuts hang. Let the fucker fly. Hang. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. What other 50-year-old white man's out here doing a gritty that night? You know, whatever. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm shit. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. Dabo doing the gritty. I say right foot creep. Cheers, boys. Championship week is on. What is happening? Welcome back or welcome to Field of 12 After Dark. Tonight, I'm your host, Yogi Roth. I am joined by my good friends, Darian Rancher, Clemson, George Whitfield of everywhere, all across the globe. And tonight, we are going to talk about a bunch of things, fellas. We're going to talk about champ games. We're going to have our reaction to the fifth ranking of the college football playoff and what we think about there, because there's some fun stuff outside of just the top six that we'll dive into and we'll dabble into the coaching changes and of course a little bit on the Heisman aka Michael Panix Jr. needs to get some love so with that said mm-hmm. I'm going to start off with the toast of the <laughs> night I want us to toast to our favorite championship experience mm-hmm. many of us have been a various championship games so it could be Kennedy's soccer championship game George or it could be Playing in the ACC championship, or George, you've been in a bunch of them. Uh, I'll start first, let you guys gather your thoughts. But I'm going to toast to last year. Las Vegas, Oregon, Utah. A rematch of two weeks earlier in the regular season. And I want to spin it forward to the third quarter. And Utah, as we all know, in college football, last year was a trying year. They lost two players to gunshots. Right. Aaron Lowe, Ty Jordan. They have what is coined a moment of loudness, which is where they celebrate these two young Uh, men by not being quiet. We've seen that, which is cool. 
but by celebrating, like cheering. And when you hear it at Rice-Eccles Stadium, it's it's bone chilling. Like you, you can't help, but it's an out-of-body experience. But to feel it in a title game, in a heavyweight bout, when the Rose Bowl was at stake last year, I, I never felt anything like that. I, I'm standing under the goalposts with my friend Nick Aliotti. We're watching the game from the end zone. And that happens. And everybody pulls out their cell phone, as you'd imagine. And it's just... And everybody's in. It doesn't matter what team you root for, who you cheered for in the game. Like you are in on that. And to hear that, I could hear it now. I can't wait to hear it Friday night again. But last year, that is a moment. I've been to probably 20 championship games now. That is seared into my soul in a beautiful way. So that's how I'm going to kick off championship week, honoring those two young men with that story. So with that, toast of the night to the Utes in a moment allow this. I got some kombucha. I see you. Got to keep that gut health going. <laughs> All right, Darren, you played in three or one, three uh, championship games in the ACC. Uh, what's your favorite experience? Hey, question before I get in mind. Do they still do that? Um, yeah. They still do it. So it'll be tradition that kind of lives on. It's going to live on forever. And what's even more amazing is they have the Aaron and Ty Memorial Scholarship. They give it to a player every year. And Jaquindon Jackson is the guy who has it this year. Quinton Jackson, we'll talk about it later in the show, was a Texas transfer quarterback, recruit out of high school, third string as a QB. In week five, they're like, hey, we need running back depth. We got some injuries. Now he's like their lead running back, and he's like a thumper at back. Best of friends with those two young men, earning that award, and he's going to tote the rock a bunch against USC. Wow, good for him. What a story. Good story. Um, come for the game, stay for the stories, baby. Yeah, come on. So I would, I would say – most recent since it's like it is championship week and conference wise was probably the most recent one conference conference championship I had was 2020 because that year was so crazy that year was very trying uh college football was almost over yeah all the racial stuff so just to even play that year was special even at Clemson like that AC championship in particular we have a banner full of like dates that represent championships that we've won they're all in white but that one's always in orange what's well, in orange coach when he put it there so we always remember that year so whenever you come back, which I went back a couple weeks ago, and you look at the banner, like that year is an orange because you'll never forget 2020. So I would say 2020, uh, ACC championship, and also made that game special was because we lost to Notre Dame at Notre Dame in overtime. Um, and then we kind of avenged ourselves in that game and made the playoffs by beating them. So that was, that was a special win. And it was just cool. Like it was, it was just cool. And that was six in a row for us at the time. Yeah, and there'll probably never be another ACC title with Notre Dame and Clemson. Right, so it was, it was just right. special. That 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 year will never never be forgotten. So that was definitely special. So cheers, cheers to that. With my agua. I love it. Yeah, you got to hydrate. You're going to Art Basel. <laughs> got to hydrate. Mm. All right, George, I know you got a lot of them. You could tell a couple if you want, but I know you got a good one. Uh, a lot of them more than um... – than the, than the rest. Um, it's my second full year with game day. So really like the, the older game day. Yeah. You get a chance to get on air, tell stories, show things, all that stuff. That's great. But the gold is that they put the credential around you and like, go, go see the game, go to the press play. I'm like, you get the game too. So second year, I, I, groove and I figured it out I'm like I'm staying for every game a lot of people go home 
families and things. I didn't have Kennedy, so I might have been going home, but I wasn't then. But Ohio State's running 2014. They are now down to the zone. A lot of ways. Indianapolis Big Ten Championship game. He throws for 230 yards. Ezekiel Elliott runs for 220 yards, and they beat Melvin Gordon. Then we see him in Bowl the following week. They beat the second guy at the Heisman that year. Then they go down to Dallas, and we get a chance to see the same team beat Marcus Mariota, the Heisman winner. Three Heisman runs. With a third string, they rolled it. Title game, Alice. I'm standing next to Chris Paul, who's telling me how he played quarterback. The guard in the A quarter incredible. Hi, George. Third string guy. George, you're cutting in and out on us. Uh, re restart your, oh, your sorry. no worries, man. You're, you're a little lagged. Darren, is he lagged to you too? Yeah, I thought I was making sometimes my Wi Fi be trash. I was like, look, <laughs> I don't know if it's me or, or George. All right, he'll he'll log back in. This is a cliffhanger. It was Chris Paul and look, Ohio State. That was, that was going to be quarter. a great story with the Chris Paul stuff. I was like, look, it was, I saw, I saw a shape of the Chris Paul, he's a legend. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll get back to All that right. story. We are presented. Got as me a... now. Oh, we hear you, George. Here you do it. I'm, I'm here. I'll, I'll roll or I'll go. We don't back, see whatever it. Whatever you guys want me to do, I apologize. We and don't see it. Yet. I see myself, but I don't see you guys. So I'll figure this out. Okay. All right. You let us know when you come on back in. We'll get him going. Uh, we, of course, we're presented by Bet Rivers. Uh, check us out on SiriusXM on the app if you want to get yourself geared up for championship weekend. We have you there. Of course, if you want some gear, that's easy. Fieldof68.shop as we are crisscrossing between football and basketball here right now. Uh, so with that said, Darian, let's just get to the instant reaction of what you thought the rankings are. I got some specific questions for you based on how close you are to the Clemson program. But what was your... Your takeaway with the first four, was it as you anticipated? And anything else really stand out to you among those that we think are in the conversation for the playoff pending chaos? Yeah, to me, this has been one of the most interesting years, I think, like ranking the top four or even just the, the competition to get into the four. I feel like the disparity is pretty like clear this year. To me, it's not too much you can really debate. Um, as of now, this weekend will be interesting to see how everything shakes out. But if everything goes as planned, there's really not too much debate, like what's right or wrong. It's like you got three, you got three, I mean, undefeated teams. And if you're undefeated right now, you you you, you deserve to be in the top four because nobody else is going down. Nobody else in the top 25 is undefeated. So that's kind of given. And that's always been the case. There's been plenty of undefeated. I, I'm not going to say plenty, but I feel like a couple more teams are undefeated in years past that they didn't get in. It may have been conference champions. I don't know. But I just feel like the disparity between top three is is pretty like, all right. It's like these, these are the clear-cut top three, not too much debate. They're undefeated. They've been playing, playing really good ball. To me, USC is more like a recency, not recency bias, but they lost midway through the season to Utah. And so it's like they've been playing really well. And then Caleb Williams is the front runner for Heisman now. So that makes sense. And Ohio State just lost. 
So that like that all makes sense to me. Having them at four, Ohio State at five, Bama at six, Tennessee at seven, Penn State, Penn State. Shout out to Penn State. Because look, for Penn State to be at eight is good for them. Then my boys, we we laid an egg last week, we we're at nine. And then just the think the think that a nine-three Kansas State team is number 10. See, I mean, that's that's the tale of this year. It's just so crazy. Like a nine-three team is, is at a 10. I feel like in the past, oh, that could literally be like an 11-1 and one team, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot a lot in this. Um, like, I get it, one, two, and three. I was curious what the conversation would be like between one and two. Uh, Michigan looked the part, right? They looked to be the most physical team in both sides of the ball. Um, and they'd be, the, they'd be the top four team. Yeah, dominant, right? Yeah, and, and I think the fact they did it on the road versus Georgia doing it to Tennessee at home. Uh, is fair, especially now when it's when it's close, right? And the committee is supposed to just be based on one year, but I think we'd be f- foolish if we didn't think that historicals had some element of factor into how this thing right. gets dialed in. So I think we'd anticipate Georgia, Michigan being one and two. Uh, and I do like the idea, and, I, and maybe it didn't happen on purpose, but if Ohio State is to slip in, like who wants to see Ohio State, Michigan in the first round? Nobody. Right? Nobody. So I think they're safe there. I think we both think that they'll win their title game. TCU, I, I think, is starting to gain some respect. I mean, they've got some wins that, as you look at them now, are more impressive than some of these other leagues, right? It's not like Michigan has rolled through, as George would say, the Roman army to get to their schedule. Georgia hasn't looked dominant in every game. Uh, but TCU, they've kind of done it every which way. Yeah. So I think they're becoming kind of a favorite in this thing, almost a darling. Uh, for USC, to me, there's a clear delineation between them and Ohio State. And we're talking about a one-point loss on the road in an epic game on a two-point play that Utah goes for it right, versus getting it rolled. You easily know, getting, right. Yeah, easily could have won, and um, and Ohio State got rolled. So I say that to just pause, right? Because then we get into the two-loss conversation, which has never happened. Um, and I want to have that in a minute. But if we look at these four teams, and if, if everything I just said is true, and we've got competitive games over the weekend, do we think that – it's fair that a let's call it a two loss SC should get in over a one loss non champ participant in Ohio State who got drilled in the most recent game that they played. You said should a two loss team? Yeah, let's just say SC loses by one again to Utah. Right. To me, they should be in over a team that just got rolled by a team that's in the playoff. It wasn't like it was an epic game like we had talked about in weeks past. Where do you net out on that? I don't think I think a two loss team's out of it, sadly. But based on what? Is it based on like because a two loss team hasn't gotten in? Or when you look at that, if you're like, hey, if it's another one point loss, it doesn't matter the context of it. If you have one loss versus two loss, you should or should not be in. It becomes like a recency bias thing too. And then it's the fact that like what's Utah rank right now? They're, they're nine and three. Top, and they're, yeah, they've they're, got one of the top three wins of the year going in and t- knocking off top 10 Oregon on the road right that's that's no, excuse me they didn't win that game they lost the, they lost to Oregon on the road yeah. it's gonna make um, I think it, it makes it really tough and that's what I'm saying I feel like in, in past years this is yeah. it, it isn't even a conversation because five and six are, are knocking at the door so hard to where you really don't even consider like if they lose they don't win the conference then they're not even in but that actually is a very legitimate conversation to have like they'll be 11 and two how they just got killed Alabama's got two losses. So out of those teams, like who is the better of those three teams? I think Tennessee, I don't think nobody's willing to really roll the dice on Tennessee to put them in because 
No, was, I'm gonna get to that in a minute. Yeah, they shouldn't even be sitting where they're sitting, in my opinion. Yeah. But, so I don't, I don't know. Like, if I'm the committee, that, that makes it, it makes it really tough. Um, and Ohio State doesn't even have a chance to really convince you otherwise. The most recent game they played, they got blown out. Alabama, right. and that's tough. That's that's tough. Woo. Yeah, it's, it's it's a fair discussion, and like I think we get it caught up in a world. And George, welcome back, brother. Good to see you. I want I want you to finish your Chris Paul story in a minute, and then piggyback on this conversation. Mm-hmm. But we're basically talking about if nobody played this weekend, we the four would remain the four. But that's not the case. The four are going to play. So let's just say, call it TCU, call it USC, uh, slip up. Because right? I think even if Michigan lost in a close game, they have probably have an argument to still get into the playoff. But if SC, for argument's sake, because they have one loss, if they end up with two and they lose another one-point thriller game to Utah, should we just eliminate a two-loss team from the playoff and insert in Ohio State because they have one loss? Or do we need to recognize, like, hey, they, they got rolled at home. Facts. And SC's got two tight losses against a team that at least is widely respected around the country over recent years in, in Utah. So, George, Chris Paul, and then weigh in on two loss, one loss, four or five. Well, so one, I apologize, fellas. We, we got to tighten some things up over here. I thought we, we take pride in that. Chris Paul, we just basically watched that championship game, and he watched it like a football player. He said he played quarterback in high school and always wanted to play it, but basketball and God had another plan. Um, one loss, two loss. So first of all, Ohio State has won every game this season by double digits until yeah. they hit Michigan. Double totally. digits. Their very best player, Smith and Jigwas, went out since game one. He only played one other game. Uh, and then Alabama lost on two expiring plays. Yeah, that's it. Two expiring plays. So just as you all know how that ladder goes, USC is hanging. Should they slip, they are going to fall behind one or both of those two teams. And, I, and I'm and i curious, does TCU have that same effect? Or do they have a little cushion because they're coming undefeated? Um, I don't think, I, don't okay. think, I, think, I think a one-loss TCU falls victim just like everybody else. I think right. So yeah. they lose, they're, I think they're out. So there is a scenario that we've been talking about all year. You could have two SEC and two Big Ten teams in this. Okay, if, so let's, if let's, you go ahead, go ahead. Let, Sorry, let, let, let's just talk about this, and and let's do what the committee is supposed to do, right? Again, to set the stage. Okay. If you haven't done it, I'd recommend you guys to do it. You can apply and go down and do a mock selection committee as part of the media. Excuse me, it's it's awesome, and and they're very clear. Like this year is about this year. Now, we're all human beings, and we know the historicals are historicals. But to George's point, two cliffhanger losses from Alabama. They also had an ugly win against AM. Texas, call it what you want. Like, they won. Challenging place in the road, not taking anything away from them. But starting ugly quarterback win. in Texas went out in the game. Ole Miss is, just lost to Mike Leach in Mississippi State, which was a, a quality 8-4 and four team. I think they're ranked now in the top 25 at 24. But it's not as though they have been like, to George's no. point, of Ohio State, like rolling. So I think we have to talk about them in the context of like, because they're not playing and because they're sitting on the outside in their last three weeks. It was Austin P, Auburn with an interim coach and nobody versus, well, what if it's a one-point loss again and SC has two one-point losses at four? Let's just say TCU has a tight loss to a team they've already beat once 
and number 10, Kansas State. If we take out historicals and just look at like facts, right. I don't see Alabama jump in that. Am I crazy? Oh, uh, I think what the committee, even us as extensions of the committee, if Alabama had TCU's record, would they have two losses? They um, might. Those, those, it's not like the Big 12 trash this year. Like, I think people look at it now no, and stronger than I don't you think. think. They're, I don't think they're trash at all, and I agree with you 100%. Wildly competitive, very entertaining. They do not have two losses. Tennessee was a juggernaut, and they beat Alabama at home on a, a, a field goal with time expiring. Yeah, That's it. LSU had, I mean, to go for two – I know. As time expired, and they got him. Epic, epic. So yeah. So to that point, if SC loses on a two-point conversion on the road at Utah, in a night where they honored the two men that we toasted earlier, they had their hel- yep. their faces on the helmets. It was crazy emotion. That was beautiful. That so was I'm beautiful. just saying, like, what if that's the case again? They lose on last-second field goal, two-point play, final drive. Like, if we have that, should a team be penalized because they earned the right to go to their title game versus a team that didn't? I don't know if it's a and you had eight conference games, and Austin P was one of your last two opponents. That's also fair, but I don't know if that's so much penalizing them. And Darren, you could start, you could speak to it. I'm, I just I'm, think I'm, I'm crafting my statements here. I'm like, I just I'm, think point blank, TCU and USC are in positions where they must run it out. So I don't think they have grace. I don't think they have any. I don't no, think they have any more strikeouts. Then you got two. Two monsters right behind you. You you have it in your control. You either do it or you don't. Because I think once you start weighing schedules, games, wins, quality of losses, et cetera. Don't get political. Yeah. And the politics <laughs> are not good for those two. Look, the blessing to me for both of those programs right now is the ball is in your court. There is no more wishing, waiting, and no more hypotheticals. Hey, look, if you win, you stay in. Now, if you lose... Correct. It could go either way. There are arguments on both sides because obviously, I think, Yogi, you're a great advocate for the underdogs in these cases. But I I do think these blue bloods of the college football playoffs of the, of the last nine years, they do just look at it. I'm like, people are going to see the attractiveness of, of putting Ohio State back in, putting Bama back in. And so I just think right now the best thing for both those programs, like it will, it's gonna, it will get really – Interesting if they lose, but I think if they win, which is like I thought they all they both could win their conference games, they win, they're in. Yeah. And that's that's the good part. Cause I, I didn't think it was gonna come, I thought it was be more controversial at this moment than it is right now. The top four teams, if you win, there's no like that's why before you got back on, George, I was just telling them like in years past, the disparity between like the three and six has been so heavy. That you really yeah. can switch out any, you really can have a strong argument. And whoever was at five, you really felt bad. They got left out. This yeah. year, I feel like it's pretty clear cut. Like if the top four teams win their games, like they get in. Correct. There's no, there's no really like, oh man, they got did wrong or they. No, it's pretty like, no, nah, you lost, you you fumbled the bag this year, and it just is what it is. These teams win, they are undefeated. SC's on a crazy run. Caleb Williams will, will win the Heisman. It's like those four teams are getting in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I think it's just an interesting. So let me just paint, paint like a a resume for you guys. And, and I'm not like I'm not trying to be the argumentative SC guy. I just want to paint the picture, right? 
let's like USC and Ohio State. Let's just imagine SC loses a tight game again. Okay. Ohio State and Ohio State's solid win in the opener against Notre Dame. Everybody's opener is a challenge. USC, really impressive win in the finale, I think, against Notre Dame team that was peaking. We know what happened to Notre Dame after the Ohio State game. Call it a hangover, call what you want. Let's just look at those facts. Uh, Ohio State, ranked win over Penn State on the road. Big, big props. That place is awesome, hard to get a win, et cetera. SC, now they beat Oregon State, who, George, you know, I've been on the Oregon State train all season long. They were 15, and I'm going to get to their ranking here in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. So you got ranked wins, right? You got impressive wins. You got a one-point loss to a ranked Utah, who is now sitting at 11, and you got a beatdown against Michigan, to be fair. That's what it was. It was physically a Michigan win all day long. And Ohio State plays one less game. So to me, if like SC loses a tight one by one, and you put those things side by side. I, I'm just curious where the committee will go. You got the number one offense in America with the best player in the country. Number one receiving in the conversation of the receiver, whether you want to go Jackson or Jordan Addison, like they're, they're ballers all over the field for both of these teams. But I'd be curious what would be said if it was another really tight loss, but in a title game versus the team that's watching the title game at home. What, what do you think, George? What do you think? What do you think? would happen I, I think for the game it'd be nice to get a couple other colors in the title game different jerseys sure and the CFP. oh um, listen i think the whole world would love to see the west coast back outside of 100 right i think it's exciting i agree with outside that. of columbus and tuscaloosa everybody would love to see the west coast back and it's fun to see uh you know a wedding crasher like tcu wasn't yeah. even ranked in the top 25 starting quarterback goes down game one and here they are like you, you want those stories you want to see how they all fit and fair to me the the trojans you made great compelling cases i think if you looked at everyone's offense and defense out of the top four teams that's eight units i think usc's defense would rank eighth they'd be eighth i so you you start from there. They have one of the worst units. You could put their offense wherever. Like they're they have the easily the best player in the country, but I don't know if that makes their offense even top three. Everything you said about Ohio State's valid, but Ohio State lost to the number two team in the country, and Michigan hasn't been lower than four yeah, all okay. year long. They haven't been lower than four. And here's how good Michigan is. Not only did they go on the road and win. But they went on the road and won without their best player. Yeah. Without their best player. And they've been doing it all season long. And people have questioned, can they win in multiple ways and this, that, and the other? And they had a kind of a breakout deal last year against Georgia. And Georgia sent them home and told them they're not ready. And here they come right back. They have back-to-back wins. There's an uprising in the Big Ten, just like Mm – Alabama had to move over for Georgia. Alabama is still up there, but they, the power structure in the landlord is now in Athens. Well, the power structure in the Big Ten is also restructuring. It's now in Ann Arbor. Right. That's your only loss. That's your only loss. And the killer part is if that game was opening week, oh, Ohio State's great. They yeah. just got beat. That's the team we just watched. And that's what, Darian, you were talking about recency bias. We just watched Ohio State. They're they're right now our last vision of them. They're crawling around on the mat trying to put their mouthpiece back in. But if that was back in September and it's been wins since, 
they're in they're in somehow some way i think they're in but usc has the ability to control it if you gave the buckeyes a chance to go play next week they jump at it you mean if we beat whoever you're going to put in front of us we get in that the, so usc has that power so does tcu right but if you lose you don't miss yeah don't look don't miss don't fumble the bag don't fumble the bag tell you Unfortunately, Yogi, yeah, you're asking why don't they have grace? Why can't well, they drop a loss? Expiring crazy Hail Mary, look at kick six and all that. You do not have it. You don't have it this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, that, that's have. where I'm curious. Like, I'm going to present to the committee on Thursday morning on behalf of our league. Everybody will get their final presentation from every Power Five league. And I'm I'm really curious to, like, I'd love to see SC win. It's a lock and they're going. But if it's tight, I would be, I'm really compelled to see what they would do. Because I don't think Bama is what they've been. Right. Ohio State, to George's point, like, what we what we see, the last thing we see is not what, we had seen. And so I, I just be really curious. And I think the landscape in college football due to what we all know, which is the reality now of transferring in the portal and all those things that can all of a sudden make your roster really good. Like I don't look at any league and I'm like, yep, two from the SEC this year need to get in because these two are so much better. I don't say that in the Big Ten based on the top two teams playing each other. There's clear one and there's a clear two and then there's clearly everybody else. Same thing you could argue out here on the West Coast or in the Big 12. I would love to see a playoff. And that's what's going to be so fun about this expansion. Let's pray that it happens in 24. But to get diversity of scheme, of talent, yeah. of pool, yeah. of players, of coaching staff, like that to me, I I wonder if the committee takes that into consideration because I don't look at Bama and Ohio State and say, yep, it's a lock. They're a top four based on what we have just seen or for Bama's sake, what we've seen over the course of the year. I don't think they are what they were in 2020, for instance, when they were best team I'd seen in a long time. You know, that's a hard bar to, to put them against themselves, a hard bar. I'd be curious how many snaps this season was Bama behind? How many snaps this know. season was Bama trailing or tied? Like it, it can't be that many. And your case for the committee, Yogi, would be stronger if one of these two things happened. If Oregon played a competitive game against Georgia, yeah, and if Utah beat Florida, but the that's really the USC Notre Dame game 
That's a historical game. The other two were such big intra inter like intra conference games, showcase games, and the Pac-12 came out on the wrong side of them, and they were they were favored in the Utah game, and the line certainly wasn't forty five points for the Georgia game. But if they've been closer. And now the Trojans beat these two. They're they're bolstered. They still have a strong case, and they still have it in front of them. But I just think the Pac-12 probably has seen they're not the fifth. ACC is the fifth conference. After what we watched, Pac-12 is probably the fourth. But, you know, maybe the third. It's them in the Big 12 like this. The other two are up here. The ACC's. Yeah, we're not looking too good. I, I have nothing to say to that. Look, look, my boy. Yeah, it's looking. We letting the jump. But only because all your Giants happen to be down right now, which it'll never happen again. All your Giants are down. The whole state of Florida is out. Clemson's, you know, even competitively, they're not themselves. And that's the challenge with an Alabama Clemson. You're held to your own standard, which is a national. It's national greatness. Right. You it's ain't even yourself. A blessing yeah. and a curse. Well, I, George, I, I, I don't know about that. Like, from what the committee would say, there's six teams from the Pac-12 ranked in the top 17. There's five from the Big Ten. There's, or excuse me, five from the SEC. There's three from the Big Ten. And there's two from the SEC. And two from the Big 12. So, like, the committee would say, actually, based on the teams that are in the top 17, You're right. the yeah. Pac has the most amount of players, or most amount You're of teams that are ranked. That's fair. You're talking about the depth, though. Well, the depth, the weight, like because whatever. Like, Oregon. I mean, I hear you on the first game of the season. Like, I, I get all that. Um, but I, but Oregon's not even in the conversation. Like, I, I'm just curious to see. Like, SC clearly is valued. Their players are valued. Caleb is valued. And if it's a one point loss, how valued is that compared to what we just saw from Ohio State? And I think this year it's fair to fair to have that dialogue and and i don't want that to happen but if usc is to lose i hope it's by one just to see where this group of committee sure. goes because this group will be there again next year so if the committee asks you if they ask you yogi hey you're trojans we can just happen to peek ahead they're going to lose on an expiring field goal by one giving them their second loss are yeah. you here to tell us that they should still go forward and we should still hold out a one-loss Ohio State team that lost to the number two team in the playoff, and that's their only loss. A two-loss a two Trojan team is still more valuable for college football in this dance than a one-loss Ohio State team that only lost to their blood rival who also happens to be the number two team in the country. I think it's a fair discussion. Like I, I Like, my thing in college football is that I don't think this year, really, you'd have to go back to like, you know, like 2015, 2016. Like, there's no slam dunk. Like, I don't look at even Ohio State That's and fair. say That's they fair. would throttle everybody. I agree. You know, like, I, I just don't see like a Clemson from back in the day. Like, I don't, I don't, even Georgia to me is not that. Like, look at their Vandy game, their Kentucky game. They're, like, I don't think anybody's that great. Michigan, if anything, based on the one performance. Because the week before against Illinois, they did not look good, right? Like, based on recency bias, Michigan's the best team in America. Yeah, but football-wise, and I'm glad you brought that up for people watching. Like, you two are ballers. You've been around the game. 
the week before you play your rival, you're trying to put as few things on film as possible. They're not going to show not, their I, combos. They're not going to. Maybe. To me, I thought they came out just as bare bones as possible. Let's just win and get on through this. And let's, let, we're not going to put everything on the table. We're not going to open up the vault on Illinois so Ohio State can see it. They're not going to. They didn't take any big shots downfield passing. They had all that stuff they've been working on. Save it. We got to be able to beat yeah. this team as minimal as possible. And I think Ohio State did the same thing the week before when they came in. Neither team looked great getting to the game. Neither one did. And that, am I right or am I left? I think Just that's that part of on it. like, like the the human side of players. Like we often I think forget that they're humans playing and not robots with uniforms on. Like I think totally that's fair. I'd be hard pressed. I would love to ask Jim Harbaugh's staff, like, "Hey, in week twelve, did you did you still have stuff in your playbook that you hadn't used all season? In a ranked game, was it on the road? No, it was at home. Illinois. Um, yeah. I, I I don't know like how much they were saving. Like I know they're they were like backs against the wall. Like had to have a game winning drive to win the game. I'm sure mm-hmm. they pulled out whatever they had. But regardless, I think that that speaks to the point. Like nobody's been special special and what the committee will do is they will chunk teams and now in their final deliberation this weekend they'll they'll comp uh personnel off let's just be general what would the o-line do against usc against the front seven of ohio state right if if that is the scenario we're in could ohio state's defense cover this explosive offense and vice versa like they would have the debate and then how would they do up against the number one seed if they were comparing a four and, and one matchup so I, I just think it's mm. fair of a dialogue this year based on based on what we've seen and based on not playing, like based mm. on Ohio State not playing. And, and I've always felt this. And th- this argument here is is not an alignment of what I feel and what I felt for always. But I always felt like if you lose your last game, you shouldn't get to keep playing in the sport of college football when there's available teams to elevate. The problem now, to Darian's point, is we don't have like those teams hovering that are like they're in, like we've had in years past. Like we have real discussion around those teams that are hovering. And that I think is is compelling in a rather boring final week of the CFP rankings. See, I challenged that last game deal. What's it matter if you lose, if a loss is a loss? Losing in the back half of November is so much more detrimental than losing coming out of the gate in September. All your heavyweight yeah. rivalry games are late. All your conference games are late. And to be honest, if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm not playing my guys this Saturday. I'm playing my twos. I'm making it regardless. Why would I put Stetson Bennett and my defensive starters? Like They already told me I'm going to be. But why would you do that? I'm asking. Are we playing for the SEC? Besides last year, you got, you got to win a conference. That, that still matters. They ain't going to do that. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. Do you think Georgia's the number in, one seeds, though? Georgia, they're, they're the number one seed. I don't need the SEC yeah, championship. Yeah, but like Georgia, ain't, Georgia ain't been snagging conference titles the last decade. It's been Bama. doesn't matter. That's what Yogi just said. It doesn't matter. The past don't matter. Hey, Saturday, if Georgia goes out there and they try out, all 22 on both sides, and they're in sweats. We put our twos out there, lose by 10 or 17. There's still an argument where the one seed, because every game our starters played, we killed it. Yeah, no. Well, I don't I, know if they I, killed I, it, I, but they're undefeated. But they're saying. in the playoffs, though. They're in but, the playoffs, Yogi. Nobody's running lose or draw. They're in the playoffs. 
Nobody's running that program like that. So I, I get the logic. Like, obviously, yeah, Georgia loses. They so that they're the, to me the only lock. Didn't miss. Yeah, but. But so you like, talk about running your program, but what do you sell when you go on the road and recruit? You don't. You're not selling SEC championship game appearances. You're selling national championships. Who's not? So why that? would I put my starters? Who's not doing that? Georgia. What's the bigger sell? Are you selling rings? Are They've you selling? Won, the, They've only won the one. They've only won one natty. What, what do you? They are selling SEC championships. Exactly. They've won one. They've won one natty in forty yeah, years. But what's so go get the second is my point. That's my point. I get, I get what you're saying, but why would you even? I wouldn't. I'm just saying. Do they do they still make it with a loss, Darian? Of Yogi, course. Does Georgia still oh, get course, it if they lose course. to LSU? Of, of course. Then why they would you play it? Why would you put your starters in? This is SC championship game. Well, yeah, I think you want to be the one seed. If they lose, they won't be the one seed. And now you're not playing in your region. You got to come out to the West Coast for your game. Like, I think there's elements to that. I don't think Kirby Smart thinking about this. I think no. he wants to win an SEC championship for the second year in a row. Okay. So let, let's, let's he keep going. He probably going. is. Uh, oh, sorry, George. You still there? Cut out for a sec. Go ahead, Yogi. Okay. Go ahead. Right. I'm here. Go ahead, Yogi. All right. So let's move on to the, to the next half of the rankings. And then we're going to get to some coaching hires because uh, I want your opinions on it. This is important because of the New Year's Six game. So – um, you guys are familiar with it. If, if the listeners aren't and the viewers aren't, you got the rose, you got the orange, you got the sugar, you got the cotton bowl. Um, it's important to note that if basically if you're in the top 12 and you are the largest or the best group of five champion, you're going to a New Year's Six. Those are the elevated bowls. The other bowls, we could have that discussion next week once they get set and what they may or may not be with players playing or not playing. But these are the, the big dogs, right? This is what we love about it. Um, so with that said... I saw Tennessee at seven and they don't have their starting quarterback, their Heisman front runner at the time. And I said to myself, Whoa, this is interesting. Like this is a team that got rolled against Georgia. We know that the quarterback gets injured done for the season. They're sitting at seven. I look at your team Clemson. I want to ask you Darren about them of like, it seems like the most important position is like, I don't want to say under scrutiny, but like, I definitely don't feel confident being like, that's the guy based on performance. Um, and I see them still at nine. And then I looked at K-State and what was the loss to Tulane earlier in the season, which Tulane respect like they might be that group of five team. But I looked at those and I was like, oh, that was kind of surprising to me to see those teams ranked where they were with the multiple losses that they have. And then I look at the, you know, I'm going to look at like Washington, a 10 and two team, one really bad loss against Arizona State on the road. The other one was UCLA on the road is back to back weeks. But I looked at UW with a guy who I think is a Heisman candidate. I'm like, Tennessee's quarterback's not playing. Clemson up in the air. K-State lost to Tulane. They haven't looked awesome. They're good. I'm like, here's a team that is just has one of the biggest wins of the year. Going on the road in Oregon. Michael Penix, I think, is a throw of the year. So I'm curious, what do you guys net on on the, that next six because of their importance to the New Year's six? Right. I think that mm. I think more so in the playoffs, the teams here are definitely getting more historical bias. For sure, just because of the the logos, um, man. Tennessee put up fifty six points last week without without Hendon Hooker. Joe Milton ain't no slap, you know what I'm saying? Like I agree with that. I agree. That's where people gotta wake up. Look, Joe Milton won the job and got beat out. Hendon Hooker took his job. Yeah. So Joe Milton is a ball. Joe Milton is next up in that in that little thing. Hypo's got going on. So 
I, I think Tennessee, they've been a, they've been a super exciting team this year. I would have loved to see them stay in that top four, but obviously that's that wasn't what fate had for them. I mean, they lost to Carolina, and Carolina is showing that they're not a fluke. Carolina had two 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 back to back weeks winning top ten games, and then and then Tennessee lost to Georgia. So to see Tennessee right there is not the craziest thing to me. I think the committee just saw them go score. They beat they just beat one of their rivals fifty six to zero. So I mean, they had a I very mean, to be fair, it's Vanderbilt. Hey, Vandy, Vandy knocked around people. I know, Florida. but I'm just saying. Vandy Vandy was a nice Florida. story, but I'm just, let's just be, I think we need to be cognizant of. No, I know, but it's still a power five team. It ain't Austin P. you know what I'm saying? Right, like, but I look at like Washington, who just rolled up 700 plus yards against their rival Washington State, who was a top 25 team on the road. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty impressive too. Right. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's, right. it's relative. Vanderbilt just beat Florida. Right. That Florida team beat Utah. Who didn't Which play Washington? Pre-or- but it was preordained coming out of the season, out of the summertime. Utah was the one. They were the one. They were the one. Right. Florida beat them and Vandy beat them. It's all relative. I look at this. I think it's solid. You got Pac 12 teams in there. Washington's making noise. You guys with me? Yeah, we got you. Washington's making noise. Yes, it'd be. Washington's making noise. It'd be great to see Penix. Uh, I think, yeah, I think he one more splashy performance. Penix, uh, oh no, he doesn't play. He won't have it. That's the point of this ranking is like, and you heard Reese Davis press Boo Corrigan about of like, basically like, are these five through the rest of the country that isn't playing? Like, I think, you know, there's one other game in here among the teams that are ranked, obviously K-State playing, but like, is it solid? And that's where my argument is like, oh, that's solid. Like, so is UW, they need obviously TC to win, drop K-State to get up to a New Year's Six. I, I was just kind of surprised. Like Florida State looked pretty good. Should they get into a New Year's Six Bowl? Right now they're on the outside looking in. To me, uh, so yeah, but I think I think they I think they mm, here's a question. So with the games being played, obviously Bama's not playing, Ohio State's not playing, so they stay. Tennessee's not playing, they'll stay. Penn State's not playing, they stay, right? Clemson well, plays. We just presume they would stay. Yeah. Right. Clemson. If Clemson loses, look, man, y'all. They'll drop. drop. Yeah. yeah. But if we win the game, <laughs> we stay. K-State. There's a close game. A 9-4 and four K-State team, but a close game to TCU. Do they stay? Over like a 9-3 Florida State. Then if, if LSU plays Georgia close, they would jump, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like I that, think, that's to I, me like the fascinating part here of where they slotted teams that aren't playing. Um, and I wonder, like, do they? Because because you're looking at like I, I thought you got to reward teams if they play well in these games. But they I should, agree with your to your your point, Darren. LSU plays Georgia. Georgia's a measuring stick program. If that comes down to a touchdown and they their starters are in, they just, and I don't care what their mental state is. They're looking ahead or they're exhausted or whatever. And LSU can make it at yeah, then they they easily hop Florida State, and they may hop a few others. Fascinating thing: seven through twelve, except for Clemson, most of their damage was done by the teams in the top six. Totally. If you really look at it. So, and there's not too many of those teams, except for Clemson, that has losses below them. Most of those teams took their L's above. Kansas State's got a couple, but Tennessee. 
Penn State, I mean, Penn State's looking at both their teams. Utah, Washington are both looking up at USC. Did Washington play USC this year? No. Um, well, for seven, eight, 10, 11, those guys are all looking up at the teams they beat, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it, I thought the, the schedule here is actually, I mean, the ranking is actually pretty solid. Um, but yeah, to me, LSU would be a mover since they have the ability to play one more game and they're going to play the biggest measuring stick program there is. They play that close. They're going to hop a few, I would think. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it, uh, we're going to move to the coaching thing in a minute, but just one more on the Rose Bowl because I know it's been topical today. SC wins. They go to the playoff. They lose. They don't go to the Rose Bowl. Like, think about that. It's kind of interesting when you look at Utah would obviously be the Pac-12 champ going. And if SC All wins, right. Washington would probably go. Uh, oh, and that's why I think it's important to note where the rankings are for the New Year's Six. So something to pay attention to over the weekend. Uh, coaching carousel. Okay. Um, we got a nice little text thread that's talking. Where do, where do we begin? I want to begin. I want to, I, I'm not trying to be like hot take guy. Like you guys know me well enough. I don't do that. But Q freeze to Auburn. Hmm. What do we think about that based on, I'm not, against second chances by any stretch. But we have to look at facts of how it went down in football from a sanction standpoint, off the field, to getting one of the bigger jobs in America after doing a miraculous job at a very unique place in Liberty. I think that's fair to assess. It's got its own niche. What was like your reaction to that? It was like, yeah, of course he got it. Like he's been balling, he gets it. Or was it like, well, that's, that's interesting. He got a huge job, a bigger job than he even had previously in the same league. Go ahead, Darian. I I'll go after you. You know, OG, take it away. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought it was very SEC-ish. I thought it was very SEC-ish. If, if you're going to just go – just barring any values and it's just going to be about winning. You might as well go all in. You should have hired urban Meyer then. Yeah. You should have just went and got coach Meyer. If you're just going to be record, be damned and indiscretions be damned. Well, what are you doing with Hugh freeze? You might as well go get urban Meyer. You don't think urban Meyer wouldn't have Auburn in this discussion at this point next year with the NIL. So you go get Hugh freeze. And for those of you that don't know, you can look at all that stuff up. Very unseemly things at, at, at uh, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Yeah. The duffel bag stuff is one thing, but, he's flying in escorts from Tampa and he's got escorts himself and there's phone records and all these things. And then he has to fold. He did. He never, he never challenged anything about him. He, all those things about him. He never went to court. He never went to the school. He never, he just took the loss. He left 20 something million on the table and he's gone out of town. Like he, like there was no question about what was happening. So, is he that great of a ball coach? He probably is a great ball coach. Is he a better ball coach than Urban Meyer? No, sir. So, if you're gonna if you're gonna be in state with the Roman Army, what are you doing over here? If it's just bear, if it's just bear, it's just about winning. If it's just about winning, well, I can get more out of Urban Meyer than I could over here. 
more recruiting, more more heavyweight headlines, more everything. Urban Meyer could stand in the state next to Saban. I just thought it was a lazy, very SEC-ish, right country club, right time hire. Yeah. I, the only funny part I would say about his his uh, his journey is he did go to Liberty and coach. Maybe he got reformed. Liberty is a very <laughs> – um, Maybe. And maybe. so, look, he did go somewhere to prove uh, – that maybe he he's been purified of his ways. So he went to Liberty, did his thing, and and their program, they had a, they've had a great run, they had a really good run with him. So I mean, yeah, found Malik yeah. Willis, brought him down there. Yeah, they they done some nice things. Right, like that's and so I think what he's done that program like to me, Liberty has had more national attention past couple of years than I've ever heard Liberty get. So I mean, he's he's definitely built program, showed it showing it can be sustainable. And obviously, you you exemplify that with more resources. More clout, bigger, bigger logo. I mean, I think the track record shows he can get something done. I do agree, like the stain on what he's done is uh is definitely like very weighty. I know a bunch of Auburn fans definitely felt some type of way about it, but it's done. It's done. It's done. Like I think he like I think it, it definitely like football wise, it, it gives him a competitive guy. I think obviously they saw they didn't think Cadillac could be a head coach, but they promoted him to assistant head coach. I think it's cool. So hopefully they can get something done down there. Yogi, what did you think when you saw the headline, Hugh Freeze to Auburn? Well, George, you and I uh, probably see the world very similarly on, on many fronts. Uh, this one isn't much different. I have no problem with individuals getting second chances. In fact, I endorse second chances. I think that's life. I think we grow. I think we evolve. But I also think your second chance doesn't always have to be one where you get to lead young men and the next generation of leaders at a premier place like that. I think that needs to be earned. Um, and I think sometimes your decisions in life eliminate certain opportunities. So, so that's when I saw that, I was like, okay, like clearly the officials at Auburn are fine with it. And I'm sure he's, to Darian's point, reformed or whatever he went through, which is, which I'm, I'm happy for. He's probably living way better. I think he said in his presser, I'm going to get you to believe in me, uh, all the right things. But I do think we live in a world where like you, when you make decisions, like we teach our kids and do you'll teach yours someday. If you have them, you make decisions and then there's consequences. Thanks. And you don't always get to come back to that same league, to that same thing. And most importantly, to be around those young men, because what I, what I feel is that when coaches get second chances after doing the things that he did on the stage that he's getting, it reverberates all the way down through coaching. And now we already live in a world where sport, and I think all three of us would agree, we've been given many chances, whether it's like, hey, I need an extra couple of days on my test because I got a game, or I need a little extension on this because I got practice, because I'm a baller, because I'm taking a visit. We live in this world that's growing even further where everybody gets a little extension. And I think, especially now, there's opportunity to teach. Hey, you can go through hard things. It's not always going to be easy. You don't always get an extension. You got to deal with this. And the officials at Auburn clearly don't co-sign on that, or they felt as though he was reformed enough to put him in this situation. But just like I, I don't think Urban Meyer should get another head coaching job. Like, he may sure ADs would love him and he would sell season tickets but I think you have to be accountable to your actions and you can go coach again but I don't know if you get to go coach again 
on the biggest and brightest of stages. That part, that part. If he picked up Georgia Tech yeah. or went to Colorado, which strangely enough, I don't even think Colorado, I don't even think the Pac-12 or the Big Ten would even entertain it. Maybe if you're you're bumping along the bottom. Yeah. But Auburn is like one of your friends that's dated and kissed all these toads the last couple of years. And then along comes this guy. I mean, like, what are you doing? You're about to commit yeah. on this. Don't you respect yourself more than that? You've been in two national championships with two different head coaches in the last 12 years. You don't think yourself more than this. You don't see yourself more than this. And the SEC has only gotten better with the head coaches and the big tens only gotten better head coaches. And this is the best you think you can do. Not NFL, not up and comers, not coordinators pulling a, a coach from another program like LSU did with Brian Kelly. This is the best you can do to put this individual in front of moms and dads with Google readily available now to go and, and pick and pluck. This is the, you think this is the sum of who you are? Like it's just, it was disappointing really. Great for Hugh Freeze and he got a raise, doubled his money, all this stuff. Even if he could fire he'll get $60 million great for him like I have must great right now but as a school official I'm off of it I that I just thought I mean come on Auburn respect yourself your premier program respect yourself well said um talk about respect Luke Fickle Matt Rule mm -hmm. I mean they're giants in the respect category you know they to me I call it like the school of David Shaw, Chris Peterson, right? The conscience of the game. Uh, we lost a great one in David Shaw as he stepped down from Stanford yeah. over the weekend. Yeah. To me, he's always been the conscience of the game. I've never met Matt Rule. George, I know you're tight with him. Uh, I haven't met Luke Fickle, uh, but anyone I've met who's been around him, and they just rave about these two individuals now taking over two programs that have an opportunity to make moves uh, in this new world that we're in. Um, George, I'll start with you because you, you know those guys. What did you think about those hires and then Darian, like what impact do you think those guys will have on the coaching tree uh, and just coaching in general in terms of their presence that they'll bring to that league? George, go ahead. I, I love both. I love both men. Um, as an aside, as a kid, my dad was a high school wrestling coach at Maslin high school. And when I was elementary or middle school, I got to go watch Luke fickle wrestle at the state championship. I mean, he was a god in wrestling. And then I go watch him play at Ohio State, but in high school wrestling as a heavyweight, he pinned his way through the tournament to win the championship. <laughs> then you see him as a coach and just as a man. And then Matt Rule, Coach Rule, same thing. Met him right when he got the job at Temple. I I called him and begged him, don't take Baylor, don't take Baylor, don't take Baylor. And he told me a quick story. He gets hired at Baylor. First order of business, he goes to the draft. He goes to the combine. NFL Network has all these coaches in there. He didn't coach any of these guys, but he's the new Baylor coach. Moments before he's supposed to go on air, you got Harbaugh here and you got David Shaw there. And they go, hey, can we talk to you? They bring him off set and they say, hey, we don't need you for this set. Thank you. They basically pulled him from the deal 
because it was so toxic at Baylor. And he says, George, I told my wife and family and I told my players we're first responders. Mm. We did not create this, but we will respond to it. And so Nebraska got gold and Wisconsin got gold. Like, Look at the Big Ten. Yeah. Point to a place that doesn't have a commander. Now, their personalities are definitely different, Darren, Yogi. But where's the weak link? Brett Bielema is now the head of Illinois. You, like, Rutgers is under great leadership now. All across the league now. Look, like, good luck. Like, and it only raises everybody's level of play. Plus, Lincoln Riley and Chip Cully now starting in next year are also Big Ten coaches. Like, that's the best league in, in America in terms of leadership. Yeah. All right, Darian, last two minutes um, for you. Uh, we, we've got a couple openings. Georgia Tech, uh, pseudo your backyard there. What do you think happens at that job? Um, and what did you think about they the hired two? a guy. Oh, they did? Who they hired? Yeah. They hired oh, nice. Brent, Brent P, I think. Yeah. Oh, nice. I'll give, I'll give a quick run out on the last thing with uh, yeah. Nebraska and Wisconsin. I would just say that side of division to me um, – like, I feel like you, you have the chance to have the most success because, obviously, uh, it is the way it is. It would make more sense if Ohio State and Michigan were on, on, on either side and not on the same side because of success. And so they can always meet in the conference game. But the West, that side, to me, is always really random. Like, Purdue is the one going to the title game this year. You know, like, <laughs> who who would have thought that? Um, you know, you got on that side, you got Purdue, you got Iowa, you got Minnesota, Illinois, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Northwestern. You look at Wisconsin, Nebraska, strategic. I mean, historically, both of those programs can believe they could be in a, in, a, in a conference game next year. So I think both those head coaches bring some juice to those schools. And before it, even the transfer portal was really big, those have been two schools a lot of people transferred. So I had teammates transfer to Wisconsin, teammates transfer to Nebraska. And so it's like, I think they can really do some damage with the portal like Lincoln Riley did. So Georgia Tech hire. Um, they've had some big wins. They beat UNC. Uh, so I thought like that was a convincing win for their athletic department to see that he could come in and get a, get them a big win. Because when UNC was rolling and Drake May was on the Heisman billboards and all that stuff, they they, they give him an L. And so I think that was kind of a convincing win for him to kind of solidify that spot. Yeah, I love that. And the players uh, like anyway, him. So. I love that. Um, and last two things here. Uh, Kenny Dillingham, awesome. Fired up for that. Uh, him mm -hmm. at Arizona State, youngest coach in Power Five football. Uh, if oh, you saw his amazing. press conference, you saw him break down the minute he got there. Uh, this is a guy who grew up nearby. He was a high school quarterback who got injured, started calling his own plays in high or calling plays in high school, and then he went to school at Arizona State, would volunteer at Arizona State, and now he's a head coach at Arizona State. And George, our good friend, it is being reported by many that UAB has targeted Trent Dilfer to be their next head coach which would be awesome. And if Bruce Feldman uh, reports it, I consider it gospel. So yep. I am going to cheer along with you guys. Trent, it has been a journey for him to become a head coach in college. He led a team to two or three straight state championships. They have another state title game this weekend. I got to imagine Joey Roberts is not far behind. Our friend getting married this uh, next week as well. So huge for UAB. That breaks literally right here huge, as we close the huge. show. All right, fellas, championship weekend. It's going to be fun. Enjoy it wherever you go. If you go to a game, I hope you give us a story. 
Darren, if you don't go to a game, I definitely want a story from Art Basel in Miami. So make sure you bring that back. Pack up, travel safe, fellas, and enjoy the last weekend before we get to bowls for the most part.